Hello, and welcome to Here There Be Dragons, a Black Sails podcast. I'm Lewis. And I'm Chelsea. Oh, and I'm Chelsea. Yep. <laughs> um, season two finale. Season two finale. We I feel like it. in the last episode, we didn't say which number episode it was. Probably not. I hope if you're mid-watch that you didn't get confused about when to watch that episode. This is episode 10. This is episode 10, season two, episode 10. Yes. And... The season two finale. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm flipping. Okay. Uh, any other preamble you want to do? No, I don't think so. Let's dive in. Okay. Um, we're going to try the same format that we did last week. Yeah, we don't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. We do care what you think. Let us know. Um, but we enjoyed ourselves, so we thought we'd try it again. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay, so season two, episode 10 begins with Abigail playing the piano and sort of just very stoically ignoring her father. Yep. Well, and I think we're also reminded of uh, how much Miranda played her piano in her cottage. Um, I took a note of what's going on with this note that she's playing. Yeah. I don't know anything about music, and I, I don't have know. a... a an ear for that so i don't know if there's something supposed to be something about that note maybe is it is it wrong is it off key i mean it sounds wrong is that it does it to me it does yeah okay it sounds like sort of discordant and off okay but Um, that's what i can't tell like you might be wrong uh i might be wrong but that's (laughs) what it sounds like to me personally it doesn't sound like a nice happy note yeah Abigail is telling the truth here. She's yeah. laying it all out there. She's like, I know exactly what's going to happen. You're going to kill James McGraw. Do they address in this scene um, whether she's ever seen a pirate execution? I would assume that she's been kept away from seeing the actual physical executions because it's not ladylike. Yeah. But I'm sure she knows that they go on. But I'm it's sure just she's like seen the bodies in the square. Yeah, but it's just so um it's an interesting facet to the idea that Peter Ash has sort of lorded over this town that has developed a reputation for its pirate hatred. Yeah. And his and he won't let his own daughter go to the executions. Yeah. It's just sort of, but he sees the val he knows the value of a very public pirate execution. Right, but I'm sure the value is for the public. No, I know, but you it's know. just it's it's a I don't know, an interesting dichotomy. Yeah. And she is she's aware of it. But of course, how how old do you think she is? Or do we know how I old she is? I think she's supposed to be about 16. Yeah. 15 or 16. She's definitely She's a teenager. She's definitely giving him a scene where she's like, "I'm not a little girl." Yeah, yeah. Dad. She's like, "You're not protecting me." I spent more time on a pirate ship than you have. That's true. But also she's saying, "You're not protecting me. You're embarrassed." You're ashamed. Yeah, you are ashamed. And that's why you're sending me away. Yeah, and I get it. I get it. You're ashamed. Um, so now Flint is arguing with his guy. Um, Vane. Oh my god, Vane. Sorry. <laughs> um, Vane is arguing with his guy. They're sort of just rehashing the conversation that Vane had internally at the end of the last episode. Presumably this is the scene that happens right after Vane gives his dramatic speech where one guy's like, can I talk to you for a second? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's sort of just one of the other things that I love about this show is that, like, yeah, sometimes we do get, like, these epic power monologues that are very inspiring and invigorating, but 
then we also always see the reality. <laughs> well, it's just like other characters coming in and being like, that's all well and good, but this show thrives on really meaningful dialogue and arguments, <laughs> so we're going to have to still argue about this thing that you said. <laughs> what, what do you expect me to say? The guy says. Yeah. Do we know his name? I don't know his name. I don't know his name. God, I'm we sure should he know is these a people's character. names. We should know their names. Oh, that's our cat. Yeah. I can hear if you're picking Allison up. She's a happy kitty because she just had dinner. Also because she loves black sails. Yeah, well, she's watching the best damn show on TV. Yeah, why wouldn't she be happy? So we see the crew, it, it, a very tense on deck with the walrus crew, including Silver and his guy, are now chained up. And Vane's guys are watching over them. But um, Billy and Silver are sort of talking through the differences of what could possibly happen next. Billy is very cynical in this scene. Well, I think he's showing how <laughs> Silver says that was dark. Um, I don't know. I think he's showing how he has really evolved into a leader and yeah. into someone who actually could lead his men out of a scenario like this. And can think for himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's true. He's not, like, fully following Vane now, or fully following Flint. He's, He's just distrustful of authority in general. Yeah. Which is what I'm saying, like, I think season one, Billy was loyal to a fault. And yeah. there is an aspect of Billy that still retains that character trait, but I think that he has evolved past it in a way. Yeah, that's true. What the fuck do you want from me? Why are you here? He's just Vane. Yeah. And it does sort of remind me of, of uh, Abigail in some ways. Like, Abigail has lost her trust in the authority figure of her dad. Mm-hmm. She's thinking for herself now. Mm-hmm. God, I want Abigail and Billy to be together so bad. <laughs> yeah, Billy and Abigail. They could just get together and be like, fuck our parents. How, lo- how old do you think Billy is, Chels? Uh, I think... 20. Oh. Okay. What do you think? I think he's like 30. I mean, I think the actor might be 30. But okay. I think in the show he's supposed to be like a young man. Okay. Sure. That's what I think. I'm sure if we did some math. How old is he? I'm looking story. it up. Okay. What's his name? Hopper? Sure, yeah, Tom Hopper. I'm sure if we did some backstory math, we could figure out how old he actually He's 33. Is. So he must have been 30 or 29 when he filmed this. Okay. I still think the character's history about 20. Okay, great. Um, So, Vane is... Also, the makeup on the show is really good. Uh, Tell me about that. I mean, I personally don't know a lot about makeup, but I I feel like anytime there's a fight, their wounds are very specific and just make a lot of logical sense, which I always appreciate. Yeah, you know, I'm looking... Like, like Billy's got, like, fingerprints on him because he was fighting with Vane, and Vane's hands were bloody. Yeah, I'm really looking at it now. You're right. But these this this exchange between Vane and Billy has allowed for a lot of close facial shots, so... Yeah, of the, of the blood work. Yeah. So wait, before... That was a scene where Vane was asking Billy basically to keep his men in line. Yeah. So yeah. that while Vane was going off on this Flint rescue mission... Yeah. Billy didn't cause uh, a rampage. Right. But Billy... Does Billy seem like he can do that? Yeah, I think Billy has the authority to do that. Okay. I think there's already in the first, like, 
10 minutes in this scene and in what Vane just did to Billy, there's a lot of these men who want to show that they have power going to the person who's like really in power and being like, Hey, don't fuck this up for me, please. Like, I know that, I know that I've got the show of like, I'm in charge here, but like, I can't actually control these people and I'm begging you not to like rile them up. Right. We're getting that right now with Peter, Ash and Flint. Right. And I think that's a, I mean, that's interesting. That's interesting. It feels like if the, the main theme word for last episode is morality, this one is maybe power. The illusion of power. Well, I wish that there was a better word for like, it's specifically the ability to lead these people to make them do what you want. And it's like, actually, you know how to manipulate them, but you don't really know how to control them Mm. in a, in a weird way. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anyone does. I think it's just people who are better at manipulation than others. Yeah. Speaking of that sort of thing, he's about to show Miranda's body. Yeah. And it's just fucking awful. It really is. So now in this scenario, who is making the call to have Miranda exposed like that? Peter. Is it Peter? Yeah. So Peter. He's the governor. So Peter's purposely coming down to Flint and just being like, hey, can you please chill? While the men in the background are carrying out Miranda's body. Yeah. What a fucking And he says, you know what she wanted? She would have wanted to be buried in a nice way. And Flint is like, that is not at all what she would have wanted. I'm really picking up Allison's licking herself. That's okay. She's okay. just a little kitty. She's okay. taking a bath. Um, you're missing this amazing scene. Sorry, no. I Yes. Flint is basically like, what is going on here? What actually happened? Was it because you believed in it or was it because you were a coward? Because I could forgive you if it was just that you were a coward. God, Flint is so in control of this scene. Yeah. He is so powerful. I might forgive that. And Peter is so pathetic. Flint literally has nothing to lose. And that is a very dangerous place to be in. Yeah, so now we're going to get to see that they they expose Miranda's body, which is just, like, heartbreaking. But it's also so... This feels like the final piece to push Flint over the edge. Yeah. I also feel, oh my God, and there the lid comes off. Yeah. And the crowd is booing. Oh, oh my God. Then he cries. Oh, man. I mean, he doesn't quite cry. He it together, but. This, I feel like this is also, oh, and the people throwing. Throwing the food. This is, it's not just a dramatic conclusion to, um, or dramatic, uh, I, I don't know, arrival of this scene with Flint and his r- real unraveling. It is kind of the fulfillment of the beginning of the season two's promise that yeah. began with the scene where Flint and Thomas are attending an execution in the public yep, square yep, and Flint yep. says, this is for them. Yep. And now we're actually finally really seeing one of these yep. and it's disgusting. It's, and it's, it's savage. As, it's, yeah, it's as savage and disgusting as they've been saying. And I feel like there's been lots of moments where we've talked, refer, referenced that that conversation in that scene. Yeah. But this is the first one where they're like, let's actually now show it to you. Well, and it's also just completely flipping on its head. Who is the monster? Mm-hmm. Peter is the monster. Those people in the crowd are, are the monsters. Yeah. But they're being told, this is the fearsome Captain Flint. He's murdered all these people. This is the devil woman that conspired with him. I mean, the language is being twisted against them, but it's the actions that are happening 
are really showing who the monsters are. Yeah. Um, so we're checking back in with Max and Adele. Um, now that Eleanor's gone, Max is sensing the power vacuum that's existing. And she is, I think, concerned for Eleanor, but also is seeing this as an opportunity. Oh, and this is what I was sort of talking about last episode. Max is wondering if they would hang Eleanor for piracy because mm-hmm. she's a woman. And she seems very visibly shaken by the idea. Yeah. Well, maybe in this new world, women aren't as safe as she thought. Obviously, it's more dangerous to be a woman in many ways, but in some ways it can be safer. Yeah. So Max's plan is basically to buy interest in as many businesses as she can to start to take control. Basically recognizing the power vacuum? Yeah. And is she doing that for her own benefit, or is she doing it to stabilize Nassau? I mean, I think it will stabilize Nassau, but I think she's going to become the new Eleanor. Yeah. But it's interesting that she's going to become the new Eleanor in a moment of fear. Well, yeah. You know, knowing that if they're going to hang Eleanor, they might hang the new Eleanor, too. Yeah. And Featherstone... Is telling his crew. And he's taking delight in it. Yes. Brace yourselves, gents. Let me tell you a story about a Spaniard named Vasquez. Which is the preamble we've heard many times in this show. Mm-hmm. But the gold. We get Jack and Ian reunited again. Although not quite the same. There's definitely something different. You just feel like Jack needs more validation from Anne. Yeah. But I don't think that she can give that to him like she used to. They knew my name, and the first thing they said was your name. Yeah. Like we was two halves of the same thing. Yeah. Ugh. Their relationship is so interesting to me. It's so deep and so complicated. Oh, look at that tear. Oh. <laughs> you see? <laughs> I you can't and I are going to be partners wife. till they put us in the fucking ground. I can't be your wife, but you and I are going to be partners. I mean, in some ways, I feel like partners is even deeper than husband and wife yeah you know like that husband and wife carries so much baggage especially in these times yeah but partners encompasses so much more of what they actually are to each other well just that dialogue of like we're two halves i went i went around and they'd heard my name but the first thing they said was your name yeah but we're gonna be fucking partners yeah it's like uh I am my own person, and I'm going to show the world that. Mm-hmm. But I, but I need you, and you need me still. Yeah, it's like a, it's just a really powerful. That's great. Okay, so Vane's crew is not happy with this arrangement, right? And I wouldn't be either. Yeah, and they're going to try to, uh, do some shit about this. Which well, is yeah, they're trying to get out of here. I'm trying to remember in the conversation where Vane was talking to Billy. That was about Billy having control of his own men, right? Yeah. But Vane doesn't even have control of his own men. Yeah, but he also says to Billy, like, there's not enough of them to sail away. Yeah. So that was sort of his control that he put in there. Yeah. So here we see uh, Silver's Buddy McGee faking vomiting, I guess, to eavesdrop on them. Right? Well, and to kind of get their attention, I think. Uh, I think it was an excuse to go above deck a little bit. 
like away from the middle oh, part. Oh yeah. So that he could get their attention and then go talk to And them. this guy, long haired Magoo, is just like, sure, <laughs> what are you trying to say? Hey he's totally like a New Yorker stopping in the side of the street being like, What are you trying to sell me? <laughs> it's just like, dude, the guy's clearly That literally you. happened to me the other day where this guy looked like he was trying to ask me directions for the train and then he was like, My debit card's not working. Uh. So the men are thinking about voting for a new quartermaster. Yeah. And uh, Billy's kind of telling Silver, like, I think that you've got the votes. Yeah. And Silver's like, are you sure they don't want Mr. Scott? And Billy says, there's two things here. There's the one that you feel like you're supposed to, that you feel like voting for and the one that you're supposed to vote for. Yeah. And people always go with the former. Yeah, the one that you want to. Yeah. Yeah. And then Silver. That Mr. Scott is, like, dependable. He's a hard worker. He's smart. He's, it's not, he hasn't even been part of the walrus crew for longer. It's just yeah. like, but also Flint hasn't been part of the crew like ever. That's true. He's always gone. So I can see why Billy's like emotionally like, I'm not happy with that because like, that's not the men doing what's better for them. They just like, like you now. Yeah. And they all love Silver with his stories and his gossip and. Is this the moment where somebody takes their keys? Did somebody just take his keys? I can't tell. Okay. Later on, they say that the men took one of their keys I don't think we see it. Okay. As we, they were t- we do see them all standing up uh, defending Silver. Yeah. Well, they Which it's is, fu- the moment of go- from Flint going like, they don't, like, they like you, but I don't think it's smart, in their best interest that you're their quartermaster. And then when they grab him, they all stand up. Yep. I mean, they're... And then they fight back. Oh, this is when somebody took the keys. Well, yeah, and it's chaos. Yeah. I Maybe, again... I guess we're not supposed to see it. Okay. No. Um, but uh, even Billy looks like he's getting caught up in the emotions. It's like when he yeah. has a moment to breathe, he's like, it's not smart for the UD quartermaster. And then when they're taking Silver, he's like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> no, I think he likes Silver. I think they're buddies. Yeah. Okay, and then we see this sort of lawyer, prosecutor guy. It's like going into pirate court saying, like, look at yeah. how much money he's cost you. Like, it's so, it's funny how that's not the thing that turns the public against this civilization, but it's just so clear, like, in the writing, these, like, these pirates are vicious because look how much money they've cost us. Well, no, but they also, like, have the orphans that, like, write their testimony that I'm an orphan because of you. Yeah, well. But it makes sense. All these people are are poor or they're hardworking business owners. Money matters to them. Yeah. Money can be a deeply emotional thing. Yeah. Do you have any response to these allegations at all? No, because this is a joke. This yeah, it's a sham. A joke. Yeah. And Flint knows that. This guy says, is inviting Flint to stand up for himself and says, the world is listening. No. Yeah. It's BS. This whole trial, though, is just like another, it feels like another joke that civilization is invented to seem like they're all proper, but it's just corrupt. Yeah. And it's to make the people who are doing it feel better. Everyone is a monster to someone. Since you are so convinced that I am yours, (laughs) I will be it. It's, I mean, it's like what you said. He's he's got nothing to lose. So he's just like, yeah, I'm your monster. Come get me. Yeah. I do sort of wonder what Flint would have done if Fane didn't come in. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Flint didn't have a plan. Yeah. And that he 
I don't want to say he'd given up, but I think he just wanted to... I think he would have been okay dying. Yeah. Would he have tried to, like... I don't know. I think he would have went down fighting, yeah, probably. Yeah, but I think so, too. But with the knowledge that he was dying. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, Flint doesn't even know that Vane is here. Right. So him this walking is in is surprise. like... I love the look on Peter Ash's face. He's like, what, you're going to hand me a book? Why should we trust you if you're a pirate? Well, also, not just any pirate, but he's Charles Vane. Yeah. Like, they know him. Then in front of everybody, he's like, that's not my diary, idiot. I can't write. (laughs) It's your daughter's. (laughs) And then the look, Peter is like, holding the book and sort of looks nervously at everybody. (laughs) Uh, Let me just see what's in here. Make sure she's not talking about boys or whatever. (laughs) Well, it is interesting, though, the phrase that they choose to pull from it is that is not only I think these guys are good guys, but also I think my dad has false motives. Yeah, it is like specifically spelling out like I don't, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) like it it is specifically targeting him. (laughs) Removal of the wig. It's like, yeah, this is bad. (laughs) But then you know what? This guy gives him pretty good advice. Yeah. He's basically like, you could burn the diary, you shouldn't because you're supposed to be like the upholder of law. But also, by the way, we've totally rigged the jury, so it's going to be fine. Yeah, it's so funny. In one space, he's like, you've got to uphold the law. And yeah. you, like, you can't, yeah. the rules don't not also apply to you, but also, I will guarantee he loses. Right. <laughs> this guy is like the ultimate definition of civilization. Mm-hmm. He's corrupt, but he doesn't want to seem like Like, it. this is not a sneering villain. Mm-mm. He thinks he's doing a good job. Oh, yeah. He's very practical. And he's like, don't worry. This is a minor scandal, but the good people will win because we made sure of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because we did good rigging. Yeah, exactly. But it's interesting. I mean, Peter Ash doesn't seem all that troubled by this. What, the rigging of the jury? Yeah. No, of course not. I mean, he's he's pretty chill about it. I mean, what, you expect him to be surprised that the Well, I just, not... like, he, if he thinks of himself as such a moral guy. I mean, he should already be of the position that Miranda was murdered in his home. Yeah, that's true. Like, <laughs> she was not fighting anybody. Yeah. He knows the truth. Yeah, that's true. He can't really lie to himself after that. Yeah. Yeah. So, we see Max now back in Nassau, and she views the that dummy with the sign that says good riddance on it for Eleanor. What do you think she's thinking? Is she I like, I think she's thinking like, I'm not going to make that mistake. She's not thinking like, I hope that's not the fate that meets Eleanor or whatever. It's just like, I'm um, going to do it right. I think she's thinking about herself. Yeah. I think there's nothing she can really do for Eleanor at this moment. Eleanor is very far away in England, but what she can do right now is she can take control of NASA, get it ready for the gold which is what Eleanor was wanting to do originally. Yeah, yeah. But she's going to do it in the right way to make it actually work. Yeah. It is so funny, actually, how quickly she's moved beyond Eleanor. Yeah. It's just it's like, it's as if Eleanor has been written off the show and the writers yeah. have gone around to all the characters and be like, she's definitely not coming back. Like, <laughs> you just ha- just keep going. <laughs> like, she's she, not hatching a plan. She's not, like, preparing Eleanor. She's not written off the show. Don't worry. No, I know. I Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some people haven't seen it yet. I forgot that we were recording something. <laughs> um, okay, so this guy 
thinks that he's like, oh, no, no, I know better than you. But at every turn, Max, like, shuts it down. Mm-hmm. She's oh, like, well, no, I know. Oh, I know already. She's not shutting him down. I think she's going toe-to-toe with him. Like, she does offer him a lot of I mean. money. Like That's what I mean. Yeah. Everything he brings up, she's like, I have an answer for that. Right. Yeah. This will still be the crossroads where their world connects to ours. Yeah. I mean, the way she frames this in is very much like, this is our emotional epicenter. Do you want to be involved in all of that? Yeah. The dramatic, yeah. Right. And the answer is no. I mean, that's a huge job that this guy is in no way equipped to do. Right. And power is most effective when it is least perceived. Oof. That's been her MO the whole time. Yes. She's always that. Even when she was a prostitute. Yeah, is exploit the way that they, they, they're underestimation of you. Yep, yep. I mean, she moves so quickly. To go from the first yeah. thing that she says when Eleanor is gone is, how much cash do I have on yep. hand? Okay, so why do you think she wants this place so badly? Well, I think for the reasons she's—I think for the reasons she said, she knows that this is the, actually the seat of power. What do you think it is? I think it's—I was used as a whore in this place, and now I own it. Used as a whore in Eleanor's tavern. Yeah. Okay. I think this place carries memories for her of her relationship with Eleanor, where she was the one who was not in power. I mean, this is where she, where Eleanor left her. Yeah. Sobbing. Wait, no. I thought she left her in the uh, in the whorehouse. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. No, you think you might be right. I thought that Eleanor had a bedroom in the tavern, but I think that you're right that it was in the whorehouse. Yeah. Anyways, I think the concept is still the same. The, the, the tavern belongs to Eleanor, used to belong to Eleanor, and she was perceived as less than by Eleanor. And now she's taking that back. Yeah. I mean, it goes counter to the advice you just gave the guy, but... Yeah, that's true. So now Silver's been brought in to this guy because his sidekick, McGee, uh-huh. has basically... It hasn't sold him out, but has said, like, Silver can help you betray the men. Yeah. Has said he'll choose he'll choose himself over the crew. Yeah. Which is, again, another bad plan because earlier... We saw Silver choose the crew. No, yeah, this guy was has not been paying attention to Silver's arc yeah. this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then Silver makes the very conscious choice. He does. He says, I won't do it. And there goes sidekick McGee. Dead so. Never really picked up on or remembered his name. Yeah, sorry, dude. This is a little, it's not contrived. Well, but it is a little, a little, like, all Silver can really offer this guy is names of people that he can trust in another yeah. mutiny or another, basically... Well, it doesn't make sense that he needs men and he just killed a man that he could have used. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, it doesn't not make sense. It's just that... This guy is clearly not a good leader. Yes. He's not thinking this He's through. not a tactician. He's not a captain. I mean, even this is a bad plan, just chop up this guy's leg until he gives us some names. Yeah, but also, like, can we talk about this? Like, now we know this is the... This is, as yeah. it's happening, you know this is the moment Silver loses his yeah, leg. Yeah, yeah. This is the moment. And it's the moment... And it, the moment is that he chose... The crew. He chose the crew over himself. Yeah. It's awful. But also, I would say he makes that choice, A, not knowing what's actually going to happen, and B... He doesn't realize he's he needs to lose his leg until the operation. No, yeah, you're right. 
I just don't think it's a moment where he actually knows the full extent of what he's giving up. No, but he knows he's about to suffer, like, physical torture. Yeah. Um, But I think he may have thought he was going to get beat up a little bit. Yeah, I guess Losing your leg is very extreme. Right. But, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter that. What his what he knows about is about to happen. He's making the choice of the crew over himself, and he loses yeah. his leg for it. Yeah. Um. Which is just, it is the full. I just think it's interesting because it seems like he chooses the crew, and he gets even more of a punishment for that than he thought he was getting into. Right. Well, no. I mean, it's the it's it's not even more of a punishment. It's just like the ultimate punishment. Yeah. He he. I mean. He hasn't, like, delivered a monologue about this, I I don't think, but, like, you can imagine that Silver's lack of allegiance has been because of exactly that thing. Yeah. It has been because of his ability to be free, like, to be a free agent and to go after the gold and to be after his own prosperity. And that the reason that you don't get tied up in in other people or tied up in, in, in other crews and organizations and societies is because... Sometimes you lose your leg. Yeah, no, but yeah. seriously, because you will lo- suffer for it. Yeah. And, like, it's not just that he's making the decision to care for the men. It's that he's making the decision to suffer for others. Yeah. Which is exactly the thing he was avoiding before. Yeah, that's true. And, like, and and so it's, like, it's so literarily appropriate that, like, if he's going to make that decision, then he's going to, at that moment, suffer the thing that, like, the worst outcome of that possibility, which is to torture to to uh, experience torture on behalf of other people. Yeah. Um, although I guess further along, you could also say like the next thing is to then start losing people that he actually cares about, which like he cared about Randall. Yeah. Um, he did. But like that is also a reason that you can imagine he's saying he would have a philosophy of no attachment or whatever right. because when you care about people, you lose something. Right. Exactly. Eventually. Right. Yeah. And so yes, at yeah. the moment. Of caring about the crew, he loses something. He loses a huge piece of himself. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's cool. It is cool. It's also... But also that he loses a piece of himself that is going to literally transform his body. But yeah. But it's also going to transform his life. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm trying to remember, I think in the Treasure Island novel, the, the reason he, he says, the only reason that we know of how, where he lost his leg is... He says he lost it in the same place where Blind Pew went blind or something like that. Like the same oh. battle or something like that. I might be misremembering, but it's certainly not this way yeah. that he describes I think he describes it as like happening in the heat of a battle. I would absolutely believe that he would come up with a million different stories of how he lost his life. Right. But but it's so, you know, imagine you're the writer of the show. I mean, you've clearly had this idea of doing this story about how Silver and Flint came to be who they are. Yeah. Like, what is the most dramatically compelling true reason that Silver lost his leg? Yeah. Um, You know what's also interesting is watching it the first time, too. I thought that Silver was going to lose his leg to, like, a big bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's not. No. It's just some guy. Yeah. It's just some guy who's got a fucked up idea, has a messy bad plan. Right. But that's not the point. The point is not who takes it away. It's what he loses it for. Right. Yeah. And also that he hasn't bought them anything. Yeah. He, they did not gain from him losing his leg, except for like, he doesn't give them up, I guess. But like, well, I think we're supposed to think that he's buying them time. Yes, I guess. Actually, I think he thinks that too, because he's known the keys are gone the whole time. Um, but 
But you're so right. Like, you think there would have been another thing where it's like he lost his leg at the hands of the most feared pirate ever. Right. Um, right. And yeah. like, and it's the season finale and yeah. it's like the guy has got him captured and he is suffering torture at the hands of the most sadistic pirate in the seas right. while Flint races to save him. Right. And it's like that, and that's not the interesting drama here. The interesting drama here is this is the choice that Silver made yeah. to undergo this suffering yeah. for someone else. Yeah. It's cool. It is cool. Okay, sorry, we paused. I paused the thing. You want to keep going? Yeah. Okay. Um, so now we're back to Vane and Flint muttering to each other while <laughs> the diary, excerpts from the diary are read out loud. Uh-huh. And Vane's like, no one kills you but me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Flint is like, cool plan, dude. And he's like, you just came here to read a girl's diary? Yeah. And then Vane does that thing that you were just talking about last last episode although he doesn't say anything where Flynn says so now that you have everybody watching us what are you going to do next and then Vane just delivers this line with his eyes Yeah, and then we see a montage or not a montage but we yeah Yeah, followed by two juxtaposing scenarios I love this shot when he looks down the road to see the pirate attack happening further down the um, yeah down the walkway yeah and that like you can barely hear that stuff is happening yeah and he's like, what is that? And it's oh, just like, yeah. you as a viewer have barely have time to sort of squint and say like, wait, what is that? And right. then he's done. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And then Flint says, Flint is basically being overdramatic and saying yeah. like, I'm going to be wrathful. Yeah. And Vane's like, you're going like... to keep it in your pants until we're out. <laughs> yeah. Flint is basically like, just so you know, I'm going to be out of control. Yeah. And yeah, Vane is like, keep it together. Oh. And then. But then there's this. They're trying to convince themselves they have nothing to be afraid of. We should remind them. That they were right to be afraid. <laughs> and then Vane <laughs> gives him this look like... <laughs> and he's like, okie dokie. He's like, good timing, bro. <laughs> My plan is about to be, come to... I mean, this is like one of the most badass action sequences in the whole show. Yes. For sure. And it's so... We as the audience, I feel like, are so ready for it. We are ready, ready for just, that like, vein flint team watch. up. Yeah. Well, ready for the vein flint team up, but also ready to just watch this town burn. Yeah. Like Miranda says. Look how afraid they are of him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and vein, know that you had the chance to see the truth, and you let yourself be convinced otherwise. But this is the thing. Also, watching the show and thinking about like the nature of the pirates against the establishment and society and civilization. Yeah. These speeches that Vane and Flint give are so good. Yeah. And they're just clearly so educated. You know what I mean? Like this, yeah. this pontificating and like this ability to even to threaten with paragraphs of monologue comes from people who are well-read and well-written and well-spoken. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know if it's a main theme of this show because there's not a lot in this show about writing and reading. Yeah. There's not a lot of it. There's some of it. But, like, it's really true that the power of this, like, leadership and the power of the movements come from uh, good speech. Like, the, the show will say the power comes from good storytelling. Yeah. But, like, at the heart of it also is, like, really good writing, too, which yeah. is a different thing than storytelling. Yeah. Well, is it? Well, is I it? I don't think it is, actually. Well, is it? But well. also, I it's interesting. I feel like this sort of is comparable to the Pirate Cruise, where it's, like, Sure, Vane can stand up there and say, like, you all chose to not see the truth. But does that mean that that random townswoman deserves to get bombed? Right. No, it doesn't. I mean, like, that's the thing. You know? Like, 
Yeah, we haven't talked enough about how the show, or we haven't talked at all about how the yeah. show has brought us to this point. We're like cheering for Flint yeah. and Vane to like destroy this town of yeah. innocent people. Because of this man. Right. But it, it, it like, I think the show has successfully radicalized us along with the pirates, totally, you know? Totally, But it's the same feeling I get with the crews. Like, these crewmen sort of die discriminately and we don't really care about them we care about the leaders no i know and what they decide but it's but this is different we're like yeah, we're celebrating true. like destruction of an entire town yeah 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 and i think i mean i think it's foreshadowing stuff that also comes up next season as well okay this moment is great yes this guy's about to kill is. silver and he says the question you should be asking is where are his keys and has he seen them since he took me away from my men? Yes. Ah, my men. Yes. And here come the men. Dun, dun, dun. This is a moment where I don't care who of these guys dies. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. But I do care that Billy comes out of the <laughs> silhouette with also, this fury in his eyes. Looking very scary. Yeah. These are some scary pirates this episode. And then Flint's men take back control of the ship. Yep, they're getting ready to go. And gotta get Silver to the doctor. Big time. You remarked earlier about the makeup. Yeah. It's, um... I mean, we're gonna see more of this of the surgery around, around the leg, but it's kind of... They don't show us a lot of it. They no, could they definitely don't. show us more. Yeah, they could. They show us the tools. That's what would always yeah, gets me because right. I can imagine what those tools. The are tools to do. and Luke Arnold's face. Yeah. Oh my oh, God. Jesus. Um, That's a lot. So yeah, the the destruction of Charlestown is ongoing. Yeah, it's very, it's very intense. And then we have this extended but you know sequence what's so of interesting is the moment that Flint. Um, breaks open the cage that's that yeah. has some slaves in it. Yeah. It's. A couple things. It's first to me a reminder that like these people were bad. Yeah. Like these people were engaging. Wait, which people? The the, the Charlestown people. The townspeople. Okay. It's sort of a reminder of like no, they were engaging in active slavery. Okay. And it's also sort of a, a reminder of that the slaves and the pirates are sort of innately on the same side together, which is kind of foreshadowing stuff we're going to see next season as well. Yeah. Well, but you also, I'm asking myself as I'm watching him do this, like, is he doing it to distract everybody else or is is he doing it to cause more chaos or is he freeing them? Because we do see them running out and immediately some of them get shot. Right. And he also knows that everybody left behind in this town, like he's not bringing any slaves into the rowboat with him, you know, and then he tells his men to destroy the town. He's definitely using them. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. Um, I think, but I think it's more important your, what you said before about like how it the people of Charlestown people. yeah aren't totally innocent and yeah. it's just like who is like yeah. it like who is totally innocent it's like nobody <laughs> but and that's the thing like a, a lot of talk at the end of the season about the morality of civilization and the difficult choices you've had to make to create a society yeah. and it's just like your moral you know upstandingness just depends on your point of view and and like but right. at the end and, of the day, nobody's nobody's infallible. Nobody's infallible, and nobody's worldview is necessarily better. Well, in this... I don't think the show is that nihilistic. I don't think that the show is saying both sides are bad. Right. 
I would agree with that. But at this moment, I would agree with that. But I think there's an argument to be made that Flint and Bane have done equally bad things. Yeah. As the townspeople. Or like the crewmates have done equally bad things as the townspeople. Yeah. Okay. You know. It's just interesting. But this guy definitely deserves this. Dr. Creepiness, Colonel Rhett. Yeah, cannonball right in the chest. <laughs> and also the pirate ship coming out of the smoke. Enough Beautiful. time for them to stare off in the distance and be like, what is that? And it's like, yeah. is it maybe the pirate ship that sat in your harbor for like two days? Like maybe that's it what's in the distance? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. And then all the men filling this room. Yeah. While silver is put on the table. Okay. <sighs> I'm just going to go. say it. Say it. In Star Wars Episode Three, oh, no. when Darth Vader, when Anakin is brought from the immolation of his body, basically, uh-huh. and to being basically the creation of Darth Vader is intercut with the uh, birth of Luke and Leia. Uh huh. And it's also, it's sort of I think it's supposed to call to mind more Frankenstein than anything else. But the idea of a famous villain being created like on a table. At the uh-huh. mercy of surgical tools is like such a, such a thing. I wonder, does it originate with Frankenstein? Or like it's Franken- well, Frankenstein's Frankenstein's monster? Frankenstein's not a villain though. I know, I know. But like, I don't know. I can't help but think about that because yeah, especially. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially with like body stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is something to being mutilated because of circumstance and that affecting your entire life yeah. and your worldview. That's totally something. Oh, Flint. and then Flint comes back and he says, I know what happened and I don't care. I'm not going to hold any pirates prisoner on this ship. And then he just trusts Vane. Keep your men in line. Vane, quick nod. Mm-hmm. Vane can see Flint has changed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Before, Vane... Flint would not have said, the Flint that left Nassau and said, let's deliver this daughter back yeah, to her father so that we can broker a deal with London. Yep. Is not the Flint that it's said, let's Flint. show them someone to be afraid of. Yeah. Also, when he says whatever's left. Oh, my God. And Vane just is like, yep, this is the leader that we need. What do you think of the fact? Okay, so, oh, my God, why would I want you to clear the room <laughs> and those tools? tools. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I think to me, yeah. I mean, we've been saying a whole lot that Luke Arnold and Silver as a character and then Silver as a performance just gets better and better every episode. Absolutely. But this is the beginning to me of like yes. everything after this is, all, is like masterful. Yes. Um, I mean, I think you're right. This is the birth of John Silver, Long John Silver. Yes. And this is also, I mean, we'll talk about it with the like after the scene. We'll, we'll talk about his scene with Flint afterwards. Yeah. But, um... The idea that all his men are here. Oh, this is the other thing I love about it. The idea we were talking before, not just about how it's not at the hands of the villain, but truly it is at the hands of his men. Yeah. He, it's happening because of his choice to do this for his men. Yeah. But he is born at the hands, like he's born with his people. Yeah, that's true. Um, what were you going to ask me? You said you Oh, well, oh, there's that like, ugh. Um, the idea that Flint's not there. Oh. That Flint's not there at all for the birth of Silver. Yeah. And he's only there after it's all over. Yeah. But it's because I think that Sil- that Flint is undergoing his own... Birth. T- yeah, his own transformation here. I um, mean, is it a birth or is it a death of James McGraw? Uh, uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I think it's the death of James McGraw. And the birth of Long John Silver. Yes. Yeah. 
look at that shot. It's just destroying, raining hellfire on this town. Yeah, it's burning, Miranda said. And Peter gets to see what he's done with some very cool special effects. It is good CGI. I think it is good. Yeah. And there she is. <sighs> I love that, like, she hasn't been pushed over or touched or anything. She is just there. Oh, yeah. Good point. Her body's not been desecrated in any no, visible way. No, she is presiding over all of it. Yes! <laughs> Miranda presides. Yeah. Oh, there that leg again. Yeah, and I love how we see so many of the men's faces yeah. around him, too. They Like, they are there for him. They're feeling his pain. They're supporting him. They're there. That's the other thing. There's something about that scene that's very communal, communal yeah. pain. Yeah, yeah. And then Silver passes out. Yeah. Wow. Very dramatic. Yeah. God, why is Black Seals got to be so boring? <laughs> Nothing happens in this show. I mean, it's interesting to think about how we heard about Jack and Anne talking about how they're two halves. Yeah. I feel like you could also make that argument for Flint and Miranda. And yes. He's, and he's lost a half. Yeah. So now... Some time has passed, and Silver is waking up in the captain's quarters. I love that there that he wakes up in this in this space with Flint. This yeah. feels like the beginning of their partnership too, to me. Yeah. This feels like. I mean, it's officially yeah, the it's moment c- that he becomes a quartermaster, yes. which makes him, you know, united. In it's clearly way. the beginning of something new, but it also feels so much like. This reminds me of, like, scenes in in literature like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter where characters think they're dead and they're talking to another person. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just so white outside and bright. Yeah, it does feel like a very safe... Like, peaceful. um, It's so peaceful. Yeah, a peaceful space. Yeah. Which, and, and Flint is speaking about how it's a moment of unrest and how they are going to have to be the points of solid um, confidence that the men can can put their faith into. Yeah. And Flint also wanted to be the one to tell Silver that he's going to be quartermaster. And Silver's obviously very conflicted about this. You know, I think... Yeah, I mean, I think he's horrified. I think that this is... This is the scene... Like... It's the scene where he's so, he's doing an amazing job Mm -hmm. during the scene where he gets his leg cut off, but Mm -hmm. it's also this scene Mm -hmm. where it's not just that he's conveying that Silver has changed, Mm -hmm. but I think what's changed is that there's conflict now. Like, he's actually got meat to chew. Yes. He's like, he's got... The more the men need you, the more you need them. I mean, I think he's like, disgusted by the fact that he needs people. I think so too. I think he's looking at his leg and he's ashamed. I think he's really ashamed. Yeah. And I think that's also a little bit why he tells Flint the truth here. Well, he doesn't tell him the truth. No, but he effectively does. Well, do you think Flint... Yes. ...thinks that it's him? Yes. You do? Yes. I used to think that, and watching it this last time, I thought that he believed Silver. Oh my God, no. Watching this now, when Flint says that the men who came and delivered the news about the gold was lying and then sold it to other people... And then Flint takes a moment to realize this and then also just runs it. I just feel like there's a moment where he runs it back in his head and then he refocuses on Silver and is like, what you're telling me doesn't make sense. And Silver's look sort of says, I know. 
and this movement, I don't know. <laughs> this I don't movement know. in towards silver. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time. <laughs> I just feel like there's a reading of this scene where Flint is so blinded by rage that he doesn't see through the lie. Okay, I yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly open to interpretation. Why do you think Silver tells him all this now, though, just to get that truth out of the way? I think he's like, okay, I'm quartermaster now. I have the men behind me, so Flint can't do anything to me. I'm in a vulnerable position, so he's not going to hurt me physically because I'm already wounded physically. I should tell him this believable lie so that when we get back, there's no reason for him to turn on me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. I think it's insurance. I think there's an added thing to me that is... uh, tied back to that look of shame he has a little bit about his his his, his situation mm-hmm. and what he's done and the decision he made and where that's left him it's like he he really really crossed the threshold there where it's not just like he made this he made this one fateful decision about his crew and he lost his leg and now he's quartermaster he mm-hmm. cannot come back from this um that i think he feels like he's at his lowest point also yeah i think he also like flint feels in a moment like he has nothing to lose yeah and he's like well Fuck it. Yeah. We don't have the gold either. Right. Um, but also, I think your reading is right, too. I mean, I think it's very logical, and it makes a lot of sense for his character and for the machinations of the, the reason, story for him to do it that the way. The reason that I believe that... Right. Well, the reason that I'm at that place right now that Flint just believes the lie is because I think that Flint has just been through an insanely emotional thing, so he's not quite thinking straight. I think that he is furious at this idea so he's willing to believe it and i think if he did think that silver was lying i think he would have done something to him yeah even though he's vulnerable and even though he was just voted quartermaster i think he would have done something to him i mean i think there's also i agree with you but i also think there is a reading that it's like silver told him because he knew that flint could just could not do that to the new quartermaster yeah. In this situation, in this, like, where they are now, Silver, he knows that Flint can't come out of that room with Silver dead. Yeah, yeah. After everything that just happened? No, that's totally true. That's totally true. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it would have been, like, he went to the men and said he declined. I told him, you want you voted him to be quartermaster, and he declined. You know, something like that. I feel like... If he believed him, he would have pulled something like that. No, there's still time. We'll see in season three. We'll see. Okay, so this is the last scene of the show of the episode. Jack and Anne and Featherstone have come back from their mission. They're a little they worse seem, for wear. Yeah, they seem exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Jack's begin. Jack's dialogue makes it sound like the treasure wasn't there. Like they're totally setting you up for yeah. like. Well, it makes here's another like we twist. Didn't, we didn't get it. Yeah. The treasure, like, we, we weren't successful, and now here's the drama for the next season. But they got the walrus. And yes, it's actually not only did we get the treasure, but we got the famous... Even more treasure. ...ship back. And more treasure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we needed the hold space. I want the scene that happens before this where Jack, Anne, and Featherstone are in the rowboat heading towards Nassau, and Jack's like, wait, 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 wait. Can we pretend? <laughs> wait, can like, we just... <laughs> can we just do a little thing? <laughs> you know what would be fun? <laughs> And then Max walks in. The gold. And sees an unbelievable amount of gold. It's just like what I said 
at the end of season one where they're like, just show us the gold and show us that it's real. Yeah. It's here. It's like, it's freaking real. And like, it's here. And it's here. And this is a pirate show about treasure. <laughs> and there you go. Some treasure. <laughs> so that's season two, episode 10. And that's season two. Good up. Good up. Good season. Really good season. I mean, when you think about what... I mean, specific, think about the leap from season one to season two. Overall, but also just the very beginning of season two and the beats of Flint and Silver about to be, like, killed by the yeah. crew because of the mutinous crew. Yeah. And then ending with the true death of James McGraw, a character who we didn't know at the beginning of season two. Yep. Um, season two might be my favorite season. I mean, it's just the most narratively... It's very, very good. ...tight. Well, I don't know, but maybe... Okay. Well, Lou, do you want to see something shiny? What? Well, no, that was the Oh. That was the one. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, th- that's uh, Here to Be Dragons. Uh-huh. Tweet at us. Review us. All that stuff. Um, and... I did nothing. Oh, okay. Then we're good. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.